You know, today is just like any other Sunday as we come together. We have people here who are on a spiritual high with God. We have others here that barely made it. We have others that are in between. I don't know where you are, but I know this. I'm glad you're here. And so is God. And I think it's always important as we come together to worship him that we are reminded, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. His mighty power and his grace that he offers us. And so this morning, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 19. And for just a moment, as we introduce the lesson this morning, I want you to watch the screen in front of you, and I want you to hear Matthew's version of the story we're going to look at, and then I'm going to read Mark's version to us in just a moment. But I want you to consider these words this morning from the Gospel of Matthew about the rich young ruler. Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Which? I shall do no murder. I shall not commit adultery. I shall not steal. I shall not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All these things I have kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? One thing thou lackest. Thou wilt be perfect. Go, and so that thou hast. And give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, and follow me. Verily I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Who then can be saved? With men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. As always, been intriguing to me. That passage has always helped me to realize that what God is really calling all of us to is total surrender 
to him. To let go of control of our lives and give it completely to him. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. Because how many of you, I want you to be honest this morning. How many of you in here this morning love to be in control? Raise your hand. Thank you for your honesty. The rest of you look around. They're the ones that are going to tell you how to do it, okay? I'm not not saying you're going to like it, but they're going to tell you how to do it. Now, for those who love to be in control, when you look at a passage like this, You really struggle, maybe, because Jesus is calling you to give up everything. That you're no longer going to be in control of even those small things that you think you can have control over. Have you ever gone about your life and, and you begin to realize that the more you try to tackle a particular thing... And the more you try to fix it and the more you try to control it and the more you try to rearrange it and all of this, you finally, after months and maybe even years, you finally begin to realize, you know what, maybe what I just need to do is just give up because what I'm doing is not working. And I think that's the life that we are called to spiritually, that we try to make it on our own, we try to be good, we try all of these grand things only to realize I can't do anything unless I give my life completely to my master, Jesus Christ. Matthew calls him young. Luke calls him a ruler. All three synoptics call him rich. We refer to him as the rich young ruler. And so the man in Mark 10 Even though he's not given a name, we're told that he's very wealthy, very young, very powerful, and it's likely that he had heard that Jesus had this one thing available, eternal life, and he wanted to get in on it, and he had everything else, so why not this? And I wonder when he came to Jesus, I wonder if he came seeking what his money couldn't buy and his power couldn't get him, because here was the deal. This man who came to him, he was used to getting everything that he wanted he wasn't used to somebody saying but you need to go do this or you need to go do that he was used to getting it all and so I want you to listen to Mark's version of this story as Jesus started on his way I'm in verse 17 of Mark chapter 10 a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him good teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, I'm good there. Okay, I've done all of those things and I've kept all of those since I was a little boy. And Jesus looked at him. And notice this, he looked at him and what else? Say it with me, church. He looked at him and he loved him. Remember that. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then 
come follow me. Right there is where the conversation begins to change. I mean, at that point, this man was doing pretty good, he thought. And he had kind of done the check mark, and I, you know, I'm good there, God. I've done all of these things. I'm there. But then, the man's face fell when he heard the rest of the story. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at him and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. Say this next line with me, church. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. It's important to remember the public setting. People are all around. They're watching. They're listening. I mean, crowds followed Jesus everywhere. Some seeking that next miracle. Some trying to get in on that next free lunch. Some really trying to figure out, clever words aside, what's he really asking of me? And he's all right with them being around, but what he really wanted to do was to figure out and get in the heart of those that are seeking him. He wanted to know who's in the game and who's not. Who is all in and who's not. You know, it's kind of like when you go swimming and you know, you, you put your foot in the water just for a little bit and whew, you bring it out because it's too cold. And you think, man, I'm not going to do that. And then you just kind of sit down for a minute and just kind of, you know, go up to here and you kind of get a little warm. And then all of a sudden, somebody around you pushes you all the way in. Okay? Because when you're sitting down with just your feet in, that's not swimming. But when you go all in the water, that's where you've got to be if you're going to swim. If you're going to follow Jesus, do you see what he's saying? You can't just dabble here and dabble there. You can't just do what you think is enough and then that's it. Jesus says there's something else that you must do. And that's where this man that's where his face dropped, and he begins to realize, I'm not sure I can do that. 
not sure I can go all in. But notice what Jesus does in verse 21. He looked at him and he loved him. And in that loving voice, he says, one thing you still lack. One thing that you need to go back and do. One thing that you need to go back and check your heart on. And then he tells them what it is. Didn't get angry with them because he's coming with wrong motives or because he's being pushy or difficult. Jesus wanted this rich and powerful and self-sufficient young man to be completely dependent on him. And this morning, it doesn't matter what class the world says you're in. It doesn't matter who you think you are. What Jesus wants is for you to be completely dependent on him. And so I wonder this morning, what is that one thing that's keeping you from getting all in in your relationship with Jesus. What is that one thing? It's a lot easier for me to talk about it from my perspective, but let's put it, let's put it on you. Because the one thing for me may not be the one thing for you. And that's where you have to do some soul searching, just like this rich young ruler had to do, to figure out what is keeping me from being all in in my relationship with God. Do you hear the words this morning to the song? I own no other master. My heart shall be my throne. Where's your heart this morning? So let's allow ourselves to be this man for a moment. You come to Jesus and you want what he's offering. Eternal life and peace and purpose and hope, and his call to you is to sell everything you own and give it to the poor. That meant all his property, all his possessions, all his shares, Jesus was telling him, get rid of all those things. Because right now in your life, you're placing all of those things in place of me. And folks, let me tell you, It doesn't matter how many things you have, those things will not save you. Those things will not even get you closer to God. And so this man really had soul searching to do. But how many of you this morning know people who have decided in their life They're going to sell house, cars, necessities that they have in life, and they're going to dive all in in other areas of life. We typically, you know, call them missionaries. But how many people do you know right here in the States that have had other jobs that have decided, you know what, I don't feel that call anymore. I feel the call to go in another direction That's God working on your heart, by the way. And so their call was, I'm going to get rid of all these things, and I'm going to dive in for Jesus. 
And maybe that even means moving to places where they never dreamed that they would go. I don't know. We all know people like that, don't we? Now, I'm not saying this morning for you to run out of here and just go liquidate everything you have. Okay? But I'm going to tell you this. If you're placing any of those things above your relationship with God, you need to do some soul searching. If you're placing those things and thinking that all of these things and look at all that I have, if that's what you think is going to bring you happiness, it's not going to happen. And you notice when Jesus cuts to the chase, the guy just dropped his head. Pretty sad place to be. And I think sometimes we're so hard on this guy and we're too easy on self. Because folks, when you think about it, we've got it pretty good, don't we? I would say we've got it real good. But I wonder, even with the good that we have, what's it like Tuesday to sit next to somebody who doesn't have near what you have. I'll tell you this, some of those people that are sitting there that don't have all these things, they may have a great relationship with God and just may not have all the stuff. See, I think a lot of times in our culture, we equate, if I've got a lot physically then I must have a lot spiritually and I must be doing okay that is not always the case look at your heart because sometimes when we realize the cost of being a disciple we're just tempted to quit but you see here's the truth of the matter salvation may be free but there's a cost to being a disciple Look at it this way. God paid the price for our salvation. We pay the price to be a disciple. God pays the salvation part. We have to pay the price to get all in and to be a disciple and to be a follower of his. You see, Jesus is seeking followers, not fans. He wants people to be converted not just convinced. You know, you can convince a lot of people to do something. But can you convert them over to that belief? A lot of people were convinced, Jesus is good. But not a lot of people said, I want to make him Lord and Master of my life. It's easier to be an admirer of Jesus than it is to be a follower. But you know what the difference is? I can admire something from a distance and it is safe. No strings attached. I don't have to get that involved. But followers, man, especially from a spiritual standpoint, having my life turned upside down, I mean, living an upside down kind of life, ugh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And that's where a lot of people, just like this rich young ruler, look at it and say, hmm, 
head down, and they turn, and they go. But think about it. Are we ever tempted to do that? Are we ever tempted to drop our heads and turn around and walk another direction? Because see, Satan pulls us. He does all that he can to get us over in his direction, and yet all that time what Jesus is saying is, you know, I love you. He never stopped loving this guy. That's the beautiful picture to me in this scene. He loved this man, and he reached out to him. He poured his heart into this man and wanted him to know, here's what you must do. And so, don't forget the end of the story. Look at verse 29 and 30. I tell you the truth. No one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them, persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But here's the trick. The only way that you give up everything you have is when you realize that everything you have does not begin to compare to everything that God wants to give you. There's a big difference. So I want you to bring to heart this morning two things that I want to call your attention to. What do we draw from this passage? Number one is this. You and I are in this story. What's the one thing I need to give my life to? What's missing in my life? Jesus says it's not ritual, it's not rules, it's not religion. He says it's a relationship with me. I mean, it would be a lot easier for me to tell you this morning, Jesus says it's all about rule one, two, and three, and you're done. That's what we would love to hear, isn't it? That's what that man would have loved to hear. Jesus says it's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's not about trying to keep it all right and doing it all right all the time because you will mess it up. It is about a loving relationship between you and God's Son, Jesus Christ. That's it. And he doesn't say, come follow this or come follow that. Come follow this rule. Come follow that rule. Come follow it this way. He just says, come follow me. Come have a relationship with me. Now, I don't know about you, church. That is beautiful to me. It's all about relationship. Number two, choose your destiny wisely we already know he loved the guy verse 21 stresses that but i'm convinced if this man could come and speak right here right now i think he would say to all of us today make good decisions and choose your destiny wisely 
and realize there's a lot you have to give up if you're going to follow this man named Jesus. He didn't choose to do that. You and I still have time. And so this morning in our own walk with him, if you're just kind of there and if you're just kind of dabbling around with it, go ahead and jump all in. Go ahead. Because here's the deal. When you do that, you've got a lot of family in there with you. And when you begin to look around this room and you begin to realize I'm in this with all these folks right here, that's pretty neat. And that's not an accident. That's by design. God designed it that way. He knew that community was important. He knew that church was important. He knew that following him, you can't do it by yourself. You can't fly solo. But you can fly with this. And so the invitation is just like it was thousands of years ago. Come follow me. Let's stand and sing.